Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Gridiron Crew, an American football podcast made in Scotland by NFL lovers. The divisional round is just around the corner, so it must be time for the preview crew. I'm your host, Dan, and joining me tonight are some of the finest crew members and a special guest. Um, at the start of the season, if you told this guy there was going to be two NFC North teams in the divisional round, he'd have been jumping for joy. However, as it turns out, the Vikings are rubbish and they aren't one of them. Greg, how are you doing? Not bad, mate. No, I just just rubbing salt into my wounds there, are you? <laughs> you know what that's part of the show is all about. You know that's what it's all about. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. I didn't he, didn't he make it to the, the the playoffs or anywhere near the big dance. But like like I say every season, Nick next year is going to be out of year. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like a Cowboys fan there. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> uh, next up, he's just off the phone. Chris, with Christian Juszczyk, ordering his Cardenas Tony jacket. So you're going to drop it off to him, though. How are you doing, Stance? <laughs> I have got a funny feeling that would absolutely get dropped in the way the door, that one. <laughs> uh, not bad, mate, not bad. Nice and freshly shaven. Um, Copying copy your lead, Dan, so uh, good to I go never on. got the skinhead memo before the pod came on, by the way. He's looking sharp, boys. <laughs> I'm just... to complete the full house. Uh, I'm just scared that light above me is going to sit and reflect right off my dome, so I'm quite conscious of it. <laughs> now, I thought I was uh, I was doing well. I got Matt uh, from Road of the Lions podcast on and for the review crew, and I thought, that was some guest we got. Keith has completely struck back, and he's evened up in the guest stakes. The other darling team of the crew this year has been the Texans, and I'm delighted to say that the Kilty Texan himself, Graham, is joining us. Graham, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Thanks uh, for... Ask him on. So it's a pleasure to have chop, uh, chat some ball with you guys. Eh? We may have to get you put some sort of blur on your background, Graham, because we want people getting distracted by what you've got behind you, because that is amazing. We want them watching us. <laughs> well, as long as it takes the rise off of me, that's that's perfectly fine with me. <laughs> to be fair, anything that can win you two tickets to the Super Bowl deserves to be shown off. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, guys, we're going to we'll straight into the kickoff question. So. With Jason Kelsey's pending retirement, oh, is he retiring? Is he not retiring? He kind of, I think he wants to go out on his own terms. I think it was kind of spoiling. It was leaked to the media. He wasn't. He didn't seem too happy when listening to the podcast all night with him. He wanted to get his own terms, and it kind of got leaked from him in the dressing room. So he wasn't too happy. But we, we do think it is coming at some point over the next wee while. So um, tonight's kickoff question is: Which sports star's departure from a team that doesn't have to be NFL related? Uh, had the biggest impact on you. Uh, Craig, we'll start with yourself. Oh, okay. Um, so when I was thinking about this question, I was trying to to pinpoint players for teams that, that I just feel totally embody that team. Like when you think of that team, you immediately go towards that one player. And as soon as they leave, it just the, the, the void that it leaves and, and almost like the kind of identity of that team takes a massive hit. As well, so I was between I was between two players, um, and this the player I've gone for is just one that I, I grew up watching um, when I was watching uh, football on Channel Four Italian football, um, and it's Francesco Totti. Um, I feel that when he retired and and left after playing his entire career at Roma, that like he just embodied that team, you know. And it, he's there's so many other players that I could have picked from. There's you know global superstars of, of football and NFL that I could have picked. Um, but he was just a guy that I grew up watching. And just as soon as he left, 
you know, you've, you've seen other um, players and even like managers coming in, like uh, say like Mourinho has had his stint there recently and things like that, but they've just never, to me anyway, they never had that same identity ever since they lost such an iconic player in him. Uh, so that was just one one example that jumped out um, to me because I just I say I associated it with them um, watching uh, the Italian football on Channel Four when I was wee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Loved it. Like, have you seen? Have you watched the documentary on Sky about him? Aye, aye. It's superb. It's a documentary. It's like talking about his growing up and his career and all the things that have happened. I think one of his famous quotes. Can't remember exactly. I'm not going to quote him, but I remember him. <laughs> Getting linked to Juventus and moving there, and I think it's something on the lines of it'd be like cheating on my wife or something like that. I said to move from Roma to Juventus. I thought that was a point. Yeah, just just the loyalty. Like he could he could have moved for big money. He could have like could have played elsewhere. He could have played anywhere he wanted. He was just such such a talent. Um, but I just I, I love players like that. They just they say they're, they're that committed. Just spend their entire career. Um, they have that link with the fan base and everything else. So I just I just think his stories just. Brilliant, yeah. absolutely tremendous. I think he was close to going to Real Madrid at one stage as well. I think that was probably the closest he came to leaving was joining the Galacticos um, one of the times. That, that's covered in the documentary. It's actually really good. It covers everything in the documentary. It's really, really good. I highly recommend aye. it. Yeah, definitely give it a watch if you haven't. It's called, I think. Yeah. Um, right, Graham, we'll come to yourself next. Who, who's, who's, who had that emotional hit on you when they left the club? Um. Well... My one's uh, more like the player, and much like Craig said, it's it's somebody who like just leaves a void. Uh, I, I've gone for football as well, but this guy was like he was my favorite player, like growing up. Didn't matter, didn't matter what team he played for or whatever. You know, I, I'm a Zinedine Zidane man, so I thought Zidane had a lot more left to give the game because they think he retired at 34 after the World Cup. He said he was retiring after the World Cup. We all know what happened during that World Cup, you know, with the old Matarazzi, see you later, uh, headbutt and everything. But for me, like, watching him and, you know, I started really following him when he was at Juve. Same, it's watching him on Italia, um, Gazetta and that, and the, the, the Italian football on a Sunday. Um, I just loved everything about how he played the game for being such a big guy he was quite graceful and he just seemed to be able to take teams on his back and that last world cup you know when he single-handedly destroyed brazil leading up to the final and then uh, i can't even remember what you call that kind of uh, penalty that you take is yeah he did that you know in the grandest stage of football right at the start and he he if he hadn't gotten sent off france would have won that world cup on his back but he got sent off before VAR was a thing. Um, and I just think when he walked away from the game, it left like a big void. But he'd said beforehand that he he didn't want to have another season like the one he just had. He didn't feel he performed enough, even though we all seen it in the World Cup, that he could still play at a high level. So for me, like Zidane just left this huge gap for me in, in, in like football and Maybe one of the reasons why it was so easy for me to transition to watching another sport the way I do because that that like your idol's gone. You know, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people were the same when Maradona packed it in and other greats packed it in. They just lost a bit of the magic for it. You know, yeah. especially international football. Yeah. So in yeah. some career, I mean, I remember the first watch. It was obviously France '98. It's kind of where 
where he came to four and he got the two yeah. goals in the final. I mean, for him to score two headers, that was completely unusual for the rest of his career, to be fair to him. Yeah, exactly. So, and that, like, means, that, that boots that he wore, I, I had like numerous pairs of that Predator accelerators. You know, yeah. I, I think I wore them in my bed. Like, I just <laughs> wore them all the time. Um, yeah. Just amazing. Is it just, he's just been probably that he scored in, in Glasgow, Dan. The oh, yeah, that's what we say. The way that I'm because if it dropped out a helicopter, it came from that high. You know I mean? <laughs> I mean, and that was his weak foot, was it not? No, sorry, that was his weak foot as well. Was his left foot, uh, left left foot. foot. Yeah. yeah, what a technique. I mean, there's not many players on the planet that could have made good contact with that, never mind the contact he made. It was just ridiculous. His, yeah. his touch was just phenomenal. Absolutely incredible. There was a game, it was one of the World Cups, I can't remember what it was. I think but it was Barthez. He threw it, Barthez obviously he threw the ball really. And I think he threw it at halfway. No, exactly like, he, he turned yep. to control the ball. And you're just like... Yep. <laughs> just That's exactly it. the one I was just going to say. That that touch <laughs> is just so... like It's everywhere on the internet. You, you see it coming up in your... your you know your news feed and stuff. We like clips the football and that I that throw Bartes single touch Croyton, unbelievable, just brilliant. <laughs> I, I used to talk about with the boys, and it's literally what I loved about Zidane was just he had no selfish movement. Every movement was a benefit for the team. It was like Ronaldinho and Ronaldo, current Ronaldo, even it's all about them. Whereas Zidane, every, similar to probably Kaká in a lot of ways when he was at Milan, it was. Everything benefited the team. He would be quite happy do the run out of space to create that space for somebody else, and uh, just a phenomenal team player as much as anything else. Yeah, yeah. He, there's a there, there was a film documentary made about him years ago when he played for Real Madrid. I don't know if any of you have seen it, and it's pretty much just documenting him on the field for yeah. the whole of a game. And like yeah. I was mesmerized by it, just watching his movement, and it takes him like a split second to change a game. And I just yeah. thought he was brilliant. And when he left that, yeah. you know, like my, I can retire my Scottish uh, national top that has Zizu ten on the back. Nice. <laughs> I've also so, believed it. Believe it or not, one of his sons. I can't. I'm just. I'm trying to do it there. But I can't remember which one. One of his sons is, is actually a goalkeeper. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember which ones. I'm sure one of, one of his sons is turned into a goalkeeper, which you would not have expected to be a son of Zinedine Zidane to become a goalkeeper. I can't remember which one it is, and I can't. Doesn't matter. Um, right, let's move on. That's a good bit of chat about Zidane. Uh, <laughs> I spoke about NFL. Um, I'm going to come to you and Melanie. I'm going to turn my light on because I realised my room's really dark. So, Studs, what's your pick for this answer? Um, see, for me, I'm actually going to make it a full house of Italian icons, to be fair. Um, the one for me, kind of growing up, I used to love watching AC Milan. Um, can I? Started sort of late 80s with your Van Bastard, your Hurlitz, your Rijkaard, your Berezis, your Costa Cutters. But the one mainstay that went from that 80s team right through into the noughties. I don't know where you're going here. A beautiful long flowing hair and Paolo Maldini, an absolute hero of mine when I was kind of growing up. And I remember watching things like even Wayne Holiday with my mum and dad and I was almost crying when they lost to France 2-1 in the Euros in 2000 because I just wanted Maldini to get that international praise. And for me, what I was a centre-half myself and I absolutely loved one of his quotes um, when he was talking about def- the art of defending. And he said something along the lines of, if I've had to slide tackle, I've already lost. Um, and that kind of got into my mindset of sort of reading the game a lot better and kind of putting myself in a position where 
I'll, don't get me wrong, I'm Scottish, right? I loved a big dirty side tackling him up. I mean, I flew for like 50 yards and took the ball and wiped the guy out. But it got me into the mindset where if I can position myself better, then I don't need to make that last-ditch tackle. And that's what it was all about. It was just phenomenal guy. Still playing until he was like 40 and winning Champions Leagues and things like that with AC Milan. And I, similar to what Smudge, I said, another one-man club. And I think he was still there until recently as a, some sort of sporting director or something along those lines. Yeah, I know. Absolutely legendary player. And nice way to segue into talking about Zidane. Son, have you ever seen the video of Paul Maldini's son? I don't know if it's... Danielle, who now plays, tackling Clarence Seedorf. Have you ever seen this? No. no. He's probably about four or five, maybe even younger, right? And he executes the perfect tackle on Clarence Seedorf. It's like after a game, they've won the league or something like that. So all the kids are on the field and Clarence Seedorf's got the ball and he executes a perfect slide. He's about three or four. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. Look it up after this. I don't know if it's Danielle who now plays, but... Aye, it's unbelievable. I bet, I bet his dad gave him into trouble because he had to slide. Yeah, he's already <laughs> lost. To be fair, it was Clan Seedorf. Everybody had to have to slide tackle him. <laughs> uh, guys, he was absolutely was ageless, though, wasn't he? Oh, aye. ridiculous. It was, aye. It, was, it was even like that, um, the final against Liverpool in Istanbul, where he got the opening goal. I think it was like 38, 39, and he's, he's hot a peachy a volley for the edge of the box. Um, and then... Obviously, they, we know what happened in that Istanbul final, Liverpool coming back and winning penalties. The following year, where they get back into the final and then they went on and kind of dominated Liverpool mm-hmm. and um, beat them quite comfortably the next time. So, he's just uh, ageless is the perfect word for him. Yeah. Uh, that whole AC Milan defence was ridiculous. That year, you had Maldini, so you had Cafu at right back, Costa Cutter at left back, Maldini and Franco and Baresi at centre back. What a, what a back four that was. That was unbelievable. Yeah. Nesta, in fact, it would have been Baresi. No, Nesta came afterwards. I think when Maldini first broke in. I don't know if Cafu was there with Baresi. I think Cafu would have been later. It was late 90s. They always had an unbelievable defence. And even when Maldini was kind of coming to the end of the career, their average age was probably about 37 along the back four, and teams just couldn't beat them. Hey guys, I'm going to continue the, the thread talking about all class players, but I'm going to mind is a bit more personal. I, I couldn't not uh, come up with this one. So, growing up as a, a, a studs knows what I'm going to. to oh, be fair, I this is one of the saddest moments of my football watching career, but it probably was one of studs' favourite, and it probably made him jump for joy more than anything his own team has done. I'll be telling you that when this answer comes out. Uh, growing up, obviously being a Celtic fan and watching players that come and go across the year, but. There's only one player who made a massive impact on me as a fan, and that was Henrik Larsson. Um, he was just, it was world-class. Even when he played, I don't know people say he went to Barcelona, Man United, he was world-class when he played for us. Um, and when the day he left, it was like my first icon, my first hero as a football fan, it was him. So when he left, I, was, I always thought it was one of those days, and he kept getting linked, and kept getting linked, you're like, he's never going to go, he's never going to go, and then suddenly that season, you're like, he's actually going. And I remember being at his last game, and I'm not going to assume to admit it, I was in tears. Uh, so we studs, but as were tears of joy, because they didn't have to put up with playing against them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so that's the one that kind of had the biggest impact on me. It was, it was my first hero, my first icon in football, leaving my team was, uh, was Henrik Larson. So some great shouts there, guys. All, I've got to say, all four players are world-class players, so they do well with the shouts there. <laughs> right, folks, coming up... Um, the 8th, I think it's the 8th of February, we've got the, or the 9th of February, we've got the NFL Honours 
uh, ceremony, which is every year. The NFL would announce MVP, Offensive Player, Defensive Rookie, all, all the big awards. The crew are having our own end of season awards ceremony, and it's called the Crew Honours. So we're going to have that in February, Friday, February the second. Uh, loads of the crew will be involved. There's some uh, some traditional awards. Uh, I'll, I'll say, but there's also going to be some crew special awards in there. Some some ones that we've made up ourselves. Some interesting categories. So uh, keep your eyes on the socials, guys, for for what's coming up with that. Because um, we're really looking forward to, to it as well. So hopefully you are too. Hey guys, let's move on a wee bit of news, quick news before we uh, get to the game. So, head coach updates. So, over the last 24 hours, there'll be a few updates. Um, we've, we've been talking about it in the chats. We've got Mike McCarthy staying in Dallas. Uh, rightly or wrongly, I can understand the decision in terms of if he goes, we need to then appoint a head coach and offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator because Dan Quinn is going. Um, so, I can understand the logic behind keeping Mike McCarthy. Um Today, Nick Sariani was pitching his future to Jeffrey Lurie, uh, whether he believes him or not, what he decides to do, we'll have to wait and see. Um, from what we've read and what's been reported, Bill Belichick's having his second interview with the Falcons, but a lot of the Atlanta media are basically saying the deal is done. Yeah, this is just a formality. He's met Arthur Blank already. He's meeting the, the rest of the executives uh, for the second interview. So that looks like Belichick is going to Atlanta, which I think was a likely landing spot all along from what we'd heard and read. Uh, and the other one is Brian Callahan having a second interview with the Titans, so potentially him leaving uh, his OC job to go to the Titans. Um, and as I said, Dan Quinn is interviewing with everybody, but he'll be going somewhere. Um, was, it, was Callahan though at the Panthers as well? Was it? Aye. Aye, I'm sure he interviewed the Panthers as well. Know, you go for his second interview at the Titans though? Ah, okay. So the Titans have requested a second interview with him, which made make you think... He's a favourite candidate, so we're going to have to wait and see. Um, hey, guys, the next debate we're going to have is a, a debate that we've been having all season. I know you guys mentioned it on the review crew. Is the Bills windy open or is the Bills windy shut? <laughs> I know what Studs is going to say because he, he wants his team to win this weekend, but the crew have been saying, I have been a massive person saying, I think the Bills Super Bowl window is shut. Right, I've been saying it. The whole season I've been saying it. I'm now starting to doubt myself, to be fair. <laughs> I think the Bills window may be wide open again. Craig, what do you think? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, after after they played at the weekend in, in those conditions, which was a minor miracle in itself, um, I don't know, maybe the best way to describe the Bills window is a bit like... Um, the Bills fold out tables. Um, they, they basically, to keep themselves warm in that game, they just decided to set the tables on fire and then jump through the tables and then in some cases set themselves on fire. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe the window's on fire and then a Bills fan's going to jump through it to break it open. I don't know. It's just wild. Um, the, the, the Bills have been an absolute roller coaster. They've, they've been so up and down. You just, you, you you don't know what 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 Bill's, um, what Bill's team's going to turn up, um, but I I'm going I'm kind of agreeing with you. I think after after what we saw uh, the weekends, I Bill's window is has been broken back open again. <laughs> What's your thoughts on the Bills and uh, their chances? I I think they've got one more game in them, and then their road stops at the championship game against you guys. You said it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, what a Cinderella story! If it was them that got through the championship game, and it was the Texans that got through the championship game, um, but yeah, I think 
I think they have enough because they're they're going to be playing in Buffalo against the Chiefs. Um, don't, don't give any predictions because we're coming to that game in a second. No, no, I'm I'm not. But like, Mahomes obviously has got to go up there, and he's normally used to playing at home, isn't he? To the playoffs. Yeah. So uh, it's fun, I'll, I'll say my predictions, but that's what I think. I think even if it's not us and it's the Ravens that get through, I think they've only got one more game in them, um, which is a shame because everyone would love to see like a, a new Super Bowl champ crowned. Yeah. But the way their season went, yeah, it doesn't matter how you're playing at the start, it's how you play at the end. They've obviously found uh, some sort of identity coming to the end of the season. Um, but I think Bill's Mafia can only break the tables one more time. Um, I like it, I like it. So yeah, so, putting your allegiances to the side for a second. Obviously, this game coming up, right? But obviously, the change in the in the Bills game has came from changing the play calling and going more of a running game. That has massively helped. And something that I never thought I'd hear myself asking this season: Should Josh Allen be in the MVP conversation? Um, nah. For me, it's it's a whole again. It's the season. You're looking at right F- fantasy wise, absolutely in the MVP conversation because he turns over, he runs, he gets touchdowns, he does all three of those things. Turnovers are still a massive issue, um, and have been throughout the regular season. And then you're talking about right, so the Bills last six games, I think, is where they've really kind of sprung to life, and you've seen Josh Allen look really good. Like, say, your Lamar Jackson has been all season. Um, Dak Prescott has been the majority of the season, maybe not the first couple of weeks, but again, bigger, a bigger sample size than Josh Allen. Don't get me wrong, I think Lamar's probably the runaway winner. The next one for me that's probably been closest, and Graham would probably like me saying this, has probably been CJ Stroud from a quarterback perspective. Again, I think Stroud's been ahead of Dak in that conversation. So even if you're taking any of those kind of parts of the conversation, you're looking at Josh Allen maybe being fourth or fifth in that conversation. Um, and yep. even then, as <laughs> my own quarterback, as much as his receivers have dropped the ball a lot, his stats are still up there in terms of he's still went over 4,000 yards passing this year. Um, still had, I think it was high 20s and touchdowns as well. So there is a lot of quarterbacks in the conversation, but for me, Lamar's been vastly superior to the other ones. Again, closest one probably been Stroud. And I think if Stroud doesn't miss those couple of weeks, I think you're probably looking at a closer conversation between those two. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Alan does seem to have been able to do everything like you said, but it's throughout the whole season, as, as you mentioned there. Uh, one last thing, guys, before we get on to the games, as we've well, seen, the, I know you guys spoke about uh, uh, Lewis Zamet uh, going into the international... Can I speak? An international <laughs> pathway program. Fucking hell. Um, the rest of the lineup was announced today, and we have got another Scottish player in there. Um, we have Scottish. Sorry? Part Scottish. Yeah. Part Scottish. <laughs> We're getting a bit. It's fickle barking. Same as uh, some of the other players that we've got that were of uh, Nigerian descent, and they're Scottish. Uh, so we've got players on Toki. Run for Kilbarkin Athletics Club just down the road from me. Uh, he's represented Ohio State uh, in the athletics as well, and he's now in the, the program to get to the NFL. So, um, I know Keith's already been in touch with him. Um, maybe something to look forward to. I'll try and get him on here. But um, I think everybody at the crew is, but obviously, good luck to everybody that's in the program. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to be behind all the Scottish players a bit more than anybody else. So, uh, so good luck to, to him and all the others, but yeah. especially him. 
does a lot yep. of work in with the African countries and you can see that start to kind of pay off in the NFL kind of go down into Africa um, with, yep. as I say, well, 3.5 representatives from, from Nigeria. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing, the thing is working with that is you can see it working as well. If you look at people like F.L. Bada, uh, David Ajabo, they can see that those people that are maybe not sure, they can see that it works for, for people and they've, yeah. they've got people to look up to. Uh, from their country that have made it, so um, that's obviously when somebody makes it from your country, it gives you that inspiration to go and do it. So it's great yeah. to see they are doing some amazing work. Um, and a lot, I mean, I wish that sort of thing was around when I was younger. Do you know what I mean? But um, for kids growing up now, they can see that there is an opportunity to go and do these sort of things. So it's, it's a great program yeah. that's in place. Hey guys, we better actually get to the games. We're twenty five minutes in. We're going to mention a game. <laughs> Um, I'm not even doing it in any particular order this week. I usually do it in order of the games, but I've actually not this week. I've just picked a random order. So we we'll first start uh, with yourself, Studge. We'll get the Chiefs at the Bills. Um, a couple of stats I'm going to throw out. Well, a couple of stats. One start. Pat Mahomes' is first ever playoff road game. He's 38 mm-hmm. 11 on the road in the regular season, though, which is the most QB wins on the road in a first 50 start since 1950. Is he going to win this one, Studs? <laughs> Can't believe you actually asked me that one. <laughs> you, know, you know what my thoughts are on it. I'm obviously going to believe that he's going to win it. Um, at the end of the day, you're in you're in the divisional round. You've got to believe that you're going to win something. Just because it's a road game doesn't make it any different um, for me. I think the last time we played up in Buffalo in the regular season, I'm pretty sure we beat them. Um, again, probably a close game, but. We've got a good record against Buffalo in the playoffs as well, eh, having beat them the last two times. Um, I might mention that about another 13 times, just in reference to the last time we beat them, um, but we'll, we'll see how we go. So for me, I'm fully behind the Chiefs. Um, again, you've seen that in my predictor as well, the fact that I was fully behind them. I've got us going all the way um, on that one. So nah, I think Mahomes, just because it's a road game for me, doesn't really make any difference. It's... I think it's going to be a tight one, but yeah, I'm fully behind the Chiefs on that one. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter really matter where Pat Mahomes really plays, does it, Smudger? You could you could put him in minus thirty temperatures anywhere on the planet. It looks like he can he can turn up. Let's hope he takes a harder helmet with him this week, though. Uh, what's your thoughts on this one, Smudger? I mean, yeah, the 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 away factor, away from home factors. Yeah, I think you've got to. Take a little bit of that into consideration, but when you've got somebody like Mahomes and the, the talent that he's got, and he's, he's proven himself time and time again, um, I don't think he's going to be too, you know, too fast. I don't think it's going to affect him very much. Um, tough, tough conditions they played in last weekend. Absolutely freezing. It was it was ridiculous. You saw the amount of just the amount of steam like coming off the, the players when they took their helmet off and everything. Just showed you just how cold it was. And then um, I was watching um, Travis Kelsey and his podcast, and somebody commented on just the state of his hands, um, how like 
banged up and cut up they were just because the temperatures were so so cold last weekend so it's difficult for you know guys like Mahomes that are obviously they're, um you know holding the football trying to you know, pick out passes and stuff it's going to be equally difficult um going away to to the bills um and, and these kind of really you know freezing temperatures um, i wouldn't be fancying playing it myself so um but you saw last week even with that um the connection he had with guys like um, uh, Rishi Rice last week, who had a phenomenal game, um, still able to throw and move the football. Um, I was I was reading an article um, and it was Clyde Edwards Hilaire talking about he was he thinks he can be utilised as a bit of a, a bit of a Swiss Army knife this week potentially to help out Mahomes get into these like we we pockets of space. Um, I think yeah, it's going to be a really entertaining game. I'm really really looking forward to looking forward to seeing what. You know, two fantastic quarterbacks, as we know. Like Allen's a great quarterback. The the Bills are starting to heat up a bit. You know, we've talked before in previous pods about how they had that bit of a wobble throughout the season, but um, coming by really strong in the playoffs. So uh, it's going to be going to be a great game of football. Um, I yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of both sides of the um, the offense and the defense. Um, obviously, guy guys like Diggs as well, um, who who really started to connect to click. So. Um, yeah, I think it's not the Sat. Is it a Saturday game? The Chiefs won Sunday. Uh, yeah, so Sunday. We have the last yeah. one in the Sunday. It's, it's a late, late oh. game, right? Okay, late, late game on Sunday. That's the thing with the divisional <laughs> games. They, they throw out the timings of the divisional games in the UK. So uh, Chiefs Bills is half eleven on Sunday night UK time. That's a bit. That's better than one o'clock. Yeah. You can still watch it and get to your bed in time for working Monday morning. It's not too bad. Uh, just talking about players, um, Gabe Davis did not practice again. Uh, today, he looks very unlikely to make it for the Bills. He didn't really miss him last week, but they were only up against the Steelers. He is someone who, I guess the Chiefs are going to really miss him. Not necessarily from his catch ability, but the amount of dirty work that he does, blocking and stuff like that as well. He's going to be a huge miss. Um, the Chiefs have reactivated Sky Moore off of IR, whether he then makes it. <laughs> for Sunday, uh, studs just needed all the wide receivers you can get because they need at least something to catch up on. Uh, listen, Sky, I, I hope Sky Moore comes good, but based on what we've seen over the last two years, the one he's all the only thing he's done is catch one memorable pass to me, and it was the basically the reverse of the Canary story one against the Eagles uh, in the Super Bowl last year. He's really he should have been pushing on this year, he really should have been trying to take that spot, make it his own. It's just not happened for him. For whatever reason, I don't know, Rashi Rice has clearly stepped beyond him um, to make himself yeah. the clear wide receiver one um, for me. So I, I hope I'm wrong. Maybe Sky Moore steps up, but I've just not seen anything that gives me that belief that he will. Yeah, right at the start of the season, it literally was between Rashi Rice and Sky Moore. It was, it, was the, it was anybody's job to take. And you say Rashi Rice has stepped up. But you've got to think about and I, I know I slag your wide receivers quite often, studs, but with the wide receiving core you've got, the, the opportunity is still there for him. It's not gone. You don't have, yeah. he's not as if he's like suddenly fifth or sixth choice because you've got that much quality. He still has a chance to come in there and even be the, the WR2 uh, yeah. if Rashi Rice is going to be the one. So he still has that opportunity. It depends what he's also doing the off-season. Uh, but um, it was a toss-up at the start of the season and Rashi Rice has took his, his opportunity. What was he, 130 for eight catches last week? That's just ridiculous in a playoff yeah. game. Especially against a team like the Dolphins. I know the Dolphins were about banged up on D, but still, eight catches for 130 in a playoff game is, is not to be sniffed at. Um, 
Graham, the, the bills are the bookies have got the bills minus two and a half for this game. Or is it minus three and a half? I'm gonna take that wrong. Minus three and a half for this game. Um, how do you see it going, Graham? Like I said earlier, I, I generally think uh, no offense, studs, but I, I think that the, the bills just having that home factor. You know, they've they've always had to go in this meeting. They've always had to go down to Arrowhead in this mm. stage, and I think that's maybe like the boogeyman for them. So to get Kansas in your own backyard, you, you've seen how well like the Bills Mafia travel around the, the, the US and we've seen how well they travelled over at the UK. They're not giving up their tickets to Kansas City fans. So there's not going to be that arrowhead noise. Um, it's going to be the other way around. I know Pat Mahomes is like totally elite as a quarterback and stuff, but it's more what they can do to inspire their own team at that point. It's maybe not so much what you can do to put off the opposing quarterback and that. It's, it's just letting their team know that they've got their back all the way through this. Um, and and that can elevate some players to play to a level that you, you might not have seen already. Um, so I think they'll be more confident going into this game. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like a – I hope it's an absolute shootout, eh? Because these two quarterbacks going head-to-head – it might be early to say this, but it reminds me when you used to get to see like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady go at it. You know, these two guys are going to be doing this for a long time. And they said that, I think. I think was it one of the games after one of the games, Pat Mahomes, when they embraced, yeah. they said, he said to, to Alan that we're going to do this for a yeah. long time. So yeah. it's it's going to be one of that meetings that I, I think could come up every year. But this particular time, I think they'll get their monkey off their back, the Bills. Um, and they'll they'll get through this round. Um, yeah, yeah. I think it we'll could be. Um, you you mentioned Manning and Brady. Uh, this is this is the first playoffs that we've had since '98 that doesn't have Manning or Brady in it. So uh, this it, it could be that I don't know. In, in 10, 12 years from now, you could be saying, "Oh, we've never had a playoffs here that hasn't had Mahomes or Allen in it." Uh, exactly. It could be something really similar to that. You know, just yeah. consistency making the playoffs. Um, We'll talk about these, you know, types of quarterbacks and with the talent they've got. And there's every possibility that could be the case. I think the, um, I think but, the two teams have showed us that this year that having that key factor of having your quarterback in place can get a bad team through slump spells. Mm. You know, like it's really hit home how important the quarterback role is in the team. And I know Allen's got like a turnover issue and stuff at times, but he can still galvanize his team behind him like look at that run he had against the Steelers like there was a time there you thought he was going to slide and then he yeah. was like nah I'm, I'm bigger than everyone coming at me so I'm just going to run them over if they do come at me yeah. um, the only thing I'll say is oh, you go, sorry, you go. sorry um, both teams didn't really play a decent opponent I, I don't think the Dolphins really brought anything to the table in the game against the Chiefs and I don't think the Steelers brought anything against the Bills so the two of them are going to have this, like they're going to have to like up their game a lot against each other, and that's just that's just a mirror image thing for me. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah neither team like, got out of basically second gear like the last weekend. I don't think neither team had to get out of second gear. Mm-hmm. I think both teams, well, they've done enough uh, and to get past them. You you do feel like if the Dolphins, I'm not going to mention the Steelers because they wouldn't have. But if the Dolphins had somehow put some sort of run together and got back in that game, you knew the Chiefs they could have had it in them just to step up again and just go away from them yeah. like none of them had to do that so this weekend they're both going to have to be at full throttle to, to go out just going back to that play you mentioned about uh, Josh Allen with the, with the, the hesitation 
the amount of Steelers fans and all fans are saying he should have been called there for faking the slide, which if if you do that, basically called us down. But I seen an angle. I don't know if you've seen this from basically from the end zone. So there's yeah. a, a camera in the end zone. And you see it, and as he's running, he actually double jukes. He doesn't hesitate. He double jukes side to side. So the camera angle from the sideline makes it look as if he's starting to stop. Okay. You actually see for the end zone, he double jukes both ways, and it just it just baffles him. He obviously has to slow down to do that, so it makes it look yeah. as if he's doing that. But the angle for the end zone, it's it's just unreal. It just it just threw the whole defense, and he was gone. I mean, the tackler was terrible by the Steelers DBs on it, but. It was mm. just genius by Allen. He just he just caught them completely out. It's that thing he does, and I I think it's it must just now be second nature to Josh Allen when you watch him. The amount of time he pumps fakes when he's on the run, even when he's ten yards down the field past the line of scrimmage, he's still pump faking to try and catch them. Yeah. The defenders yeah. you think, and yeah. and obviously it works sometimes, but something just automatically. But yeah, he just uh, it's just wee small things like that that add to the game. It can give you that extra edge. So. Um, for me, when we talked about quarterback, you mentioned obviously for years to come, you're going to have Allen, you're going to have Mahomes. I said at the start of the season, I thought it was going to be Mahomes and Burrow. I thought the Allen window had shut. I thought it was going to be Burrows and Mahomes. Also, get Jackson, the, the FC as well. We talk about CJ Stroud. The FC is absolutely stacked for quarterbacks for the next few years anyway. And they're going to, going forward, we're going to have some really, really interesting matchups. Even in the regular season, we're coming into the playoffs with the AFC side of the ball. We're going to have elite quarterback going against elite quarterback for years to come, and I cannot wait for it. <laughs> um, right, from from my point of view, this one's going to be really interesting. I am looking forward to, to watching this one. Obviously, now not having a dog in a fight and watching this as a neutral, um, I really hope this is going to be a shootout, which means we're going to get 14 12 or something like that. It's going to be something stupid where we're not going to get the shootout we really want because I'll tell you what, a shootout you never get one, um, but um. We'll, we'll, we'll just do predictions now. So I, I think the same as uh, Graham. I think Josh Allen at some point has got to get that win in the playoff against the Chiefs, and I think this is the best opportunity he's going to, he's going to have. His team have the momentum. He's playing against a, a Chiefs team that is not at the level they've been for the last couple of years. I mean, they're still playing at a higher level than most other teams, but it's not the Chiefs that we know from the last couple of years. Mahomes is still playing, but as an overall team. I mean, the stats obviously back up that they are still playing at elite level, but on the eye, they're not playing at the level that we're used to seeing them. And I think if, if Josh Allen is going to beat the Chiefs, this is his best opportunity, and I think he will just take it. It's going to be really tight. I think the bookies have got it right with three and a half points in it. This is going to come down to a walk-off field goal. Even go to overtime again like that our playoff game that they had. But I think the home field advantage is going to just be enough for Josh Allen. On, on that... Oh, there was a tweet going about the day just on overtime. So the, obviously I mentioned the 13 settings. That was the infamous one where the Bills bitched enough to get the overtime rules changed essentially because we won the toss. Yeah. Right. So can you imagine what would happen? There was a tweet going about the day. It was basically goes to overtime. The Bills win, take the ball, score a touchdown. The Chiefs get the chance to reply because the Bills chain requested the rule change. The Chiefs got the part score and then get a two-point conversion to win the game. <laughs> it's like, can you imagine the head explosions if that happens? I mean, as much as I am by Andy Reid, there's not a chance he goes for two in that situation, <laughs> especially with the wide receivers he's got. Hey, just go back to Andy hey, Just get, I mean, feed Pacheco. Just feed him. <laughs> feed the roadrunner. Um, just going back to Andy Reid for a second, I mean, none of you guys will be able to relate to this because you are so fresh-faced. 
right? But I can relate with Andy Reid. What about his frozen moustache, by the way? Oh, what? <laughs> that was what hilarious. Was Absolutely that was so hilarious. Good. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Was there, oh. was there not one of the players, I, I I can't remember which one of the Chiefs it was, he got interviewed after and they said, well, what did Andy Reid say to you when he come over to talk to you on the bench? He said, I had no idea because I was too distracted by his moustache. <laughs> <laughs> I think Andy, Andy Reid even addressed it after the game, I think, and he said, in worst case scenario, it would have fallen off or something like that. <laughs> snapped it off, eh? I My wife would have been happy or something like that. I was waiting for the happy, I can't remember, but it would have been a joke about it, but to be fair, right, um, Graeme, you've already predicted that the Bills are going to win. So I'm going Bills. Studs obviously going Chiefs. So, what, Jimmy, are you going with this one? I I agree. That I think it's going to be tight. Um, I think it, I think it could be a bit of a hard slog um, and possibly um, not not particularly high scoring. Um, I'm I'm swaying towards the Chiefs, and I know Studs will probably be happy for me to to say this. Um, I just I think that the Bills. In that, in that Steelers game, you talked about how the Steelers struggled to tackle and how um, Allen got a little bit more kind of free reign to do what he does best. I'm not entirely sure that that's going to happen against the, the, the Chiefs' defence. Um, I think that they're going to give him a harder time. Um, and I think that they're really going to have to... You know, The, the guys that um, played particularly well last week, I'm just looking at defensive stats... Um, guys like Kalaftis that got one and a half sacks last week. Anyone that can really step up and get to Josh Allen um, in this game is, is going to be a difference maker. So I think for me, I'm going to go with the Chiefs, uh, but it's going to be tight, very tight. Oh, spot! I can't do a suitable challenge with that now. I need to flip a coin to do a suitable challenge to see who's getting through. <laughs> uh, right, guys, that was a great chat. We're, going to, we're just going to stick with the AFC. I've kind of done AFC, NFC with this one. It was my mouse went. Um, so next up, uh, we're going to go with the crew darling. The first crew darling of the evening, the Houston Texans. We, as a crew, have especially on the, the preview crew, I know we have bummed up the Texans all season. We have loved watching the Texans all season. CJ Stroud has been phenomenal. Um, sorry, just reading that comment there. Sorry, yourself, studs. Um, yeah, Texans have been. I don't think any of the Texans fans who have seen this one coming game, you can answer that question in, in a second once I finish this wee spiel, but yeah, it's been great to watch the Texans this season. Um, one thing I want to mention about this, and I don't know if you've all seen this, has anybody seen the mic top of D'Amico Ryans and Christian Harris? Have you seen it? Have you seen it, Smudger? No, I've not seen it, so you can tell me oh, about it. Right before, uh, there's one play, and D'Amico Ryans, he's talking to Christian Harris on the sideline, and he's got his wee board in front of him, and he literally says to him, you stand there and watch the quarterback and then step up, you'll get an interception. Next play, he goes QB spy, watches Joe Flacco, steps in front of the receiver, interception. Nice. Uh, it's as if, and I think the Texans are pretty good saying, D'Amico knew, is what I think they phrased it. He literally Aye. told him what to do and he would get a pick and he got, it was unbelievable to watch him. He's obviously just got That's that. That's phenomenal mind. coaching. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Um, so yeah, that was, that was a, a phenomenal bit of, of coaching and observation to, to, to get that. I mean, and Joe yeah. Flacco just go right for it. So, um, we're all going to start with self first game one, uh, same as we started with studs for the Chiefs. I'm not going to ask you who you think is going to win, but talk us through how you think the game will actually go. Um, yeah, well, obviously, I'm I'm rooting for the Texans to win it, uh, and I hope they will win it. It's going to be a very difficult game. Uh, Ravens are 
I think they're still uh, odds-on favourite probably to win the Super Bowl at this point, uh, especially after what they did to San Francisco earlier on in the year. Um, it's going to be tough, but it's that old adage of you're the number one seed, you had it locked up, your starters have probably not played football for three weeks. There is particular, there is a chance to rust there. And I, I was watching Good Morning Football and... Lamar Jackson is at four games he's played in the playoffs. Yeah. How much points do you think Lamar Jackson has scored, put up on the board in that four first quarters of games? I don't know what his score. I know what his right playoff record is, but I don't know what the points are. Zero. Zero. In wow. the first quarter of oh, all those wow. games. So how the Ravens work is they get on top of you and then they beat you up. But if he if he can't get out of the gates then you, you've a chance to stay in there and that builds confidence. And that's what the, the, the GMFB crew were saying. They were saying if, if D'Amico can get to the the end of the first, but just even a field goal, that gives you belief that you can do something in, in their stadium. And the way we've been playing, we're rumbling just now. Um, like to do what we did against the Browns after um, three weeks prior getting really schooled by them at NRG. Yes, we were minus uh, Stroud and Anderson. Grenard went out in the first series. Uh, we didn't have Blake Cashman um, at linebacker in that game. I think Nelson went out and came back, but he wasn't quite the same player that day. Uh, he was carrying an injury. But like I, I happened to be at that game, and I seen how Joe Flacco, just when he's not pressured, could command the pocket and just pick us apart. Amari Cooper went for like a Browns record that day. Um, but this time when we played them, we, we and this is what I'm kind of hoping, um, Derek Stingley was put on Amari Cooper for 80% of the snaps. And I think against Stingley, he had minus six yards yeah, for that, that 80% of, of the snaps. So like that's Zay Flowers, you know, put, put your guy on their guy and just, just duke it out, you know, and make it difficult. The hardest thing for us is going to be slowing down Lamar because I think he's their head rusher. Yeah. Phenomenal athlete. Um, but if, if we, uh, I think Grenard and Anderson return to practice today. Yeah, so they'll, they'll be good to go. You know, like who's not going to, like you'd play with like your leg hanging off to, to get into, the, like this will be the furthest we've gone if we can make it to the championship game. So, these guys are young, youngish kind of team, kind of thrown together team. And I think with the belief that they have, and obviously, like, I've seen D'Amico working up and down the, the sidelines the last couple of weeks. Um, like, seeing him so up close and, and personal on the sidelines, the way I was through the games, he's a guy that goes through every player. You know, he's not one of those head coaches who stands and lets his coordinators do the talk. And he goes in and he, he like, you see what he was doing with Harris. That's what he does, and he, he he's galvanised that squad. We're probably playing with the same, what is it, house money. Nobody expected us to be there. So just go out, have fun, just just ball. You know, he'll probably be telling them, just imagine that you're playing uh, like the backyard down the park, you know, just you're, you're out there playing with your buddies. Let's, let's try and get this win, and it might be enough up there. Um, we don't have a very good record. I think we're, the Ravens are 7-0 against us up there. But uh, hey, anything's possible on the day, 
And I think at the start of the season after they played us, Jim uh, is um, Harbaugh. Sorry, um, he said that we had a very good football team and we were going to pick up a lot of wins this year. So he he recognised there was a bit of talent about the team, and when you know how there was a bit of a up and down about who the Ravens might play, um, you know with the way the, the other games had to go and the the delay in the game and everything, he said that. He dialed in on Houston the second that we got through. So he knew the other games were going to go their way, and he started preparing for us pretty much right away. Whenever we got through, it was like we're 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 doubling down on Houston. So yeah, it's gonna. Yeah. I think it's gonna be a good game. Yeah, I, I come back to very something we said about Josh Allen. That seven oh, he's he's have to break that at some point. So yeah. why not this weekend? Yeah, it has you know to mean, happen. That's what we're looking at. And you were talking about players there. He's have put Noah Brown on IR. Uh, this week, which is a huge loss, obviously, of that losing Tank Dale already. Um, Noah Brown obviously picked up a bit in terms of, obviously, Michael Collins has been the, the main share of the reception, but Noah Brown was doing his bit, so that's a, a massive loss for his. Well, Anderson back full practice today. Um, that was reported earlier on reading that. Um, I mean, it's looking at the, the, the Ravens' deer, the Ravens' deer number one in most things in the league, so points allowed, total sacks, if it's 60 sacks this season, so. They're going to have to protect, uh, protect CJ Stroud and for takeaways. But what I'll preface this for is that overall, the Ravens were the number two D in the league this year. Look what the Texans just done to the number one D in the league. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Exactly. The, Texans, yep. I mean I, I, the Texans are a good team, but I would never have predicted them to put up 45 points on the Browns. Yeah, well, went um, off. That was, but what you don't hope then is, did you peak too soon? Yeah, that exactly. You know I mean, they went in there and obviously with nothing to lose. We've got everything to go for, and everything just clicked. And they're like, the players were like, "This is it." So they're just like, "Can they then do that? Can can they put themselves to that level again against an even better team?" Smudger, what's your thoughts on this game? Well, I think Graham mentioned it there about the Texans last week playing with house money, and and I was listening back to the the review crew podcast. And Liam, our resident Packers fan, said exactly the same thing about Green Bay playing with house money in the playoffs. Yeah. And this is, this is a very, very similar situation to what the Packers saw themselves in when they went to go and play the Cowboys. You're going to uh, a massive favourite. Um, at ho- They're at home. Um, but similarly to what we said about the Detroit Lions, and I think is very important and, and an advantage to the Texans, is momentum. You, you talk about the Texans having this momentum, playing you know, week in, week out. The the fact that there is that potential for Baltimore, albeit they'll be well-rested, they'll be well-prepared, but there could be just that little bit of a gap where you, you just wonder, are they going to be as sharp? You know, that it's all very well if you're playing in practice against your, you know, your practice squad players and against your, your, doing your first-team reps and everything else, but... When you're getting to this stage of the season, you want to be putting yourself against the best opposition and keeping your team sharp. Now, the other thing you were talking about was you know, what the Texans have learned um, when they've gone back to play opponents like sort of, um, against the Browns. At the very start of the season, week one, you've played against Baltimore. You lost, I think it was 25-9. Um, Stroud's first game as a, as a rookie Um there's not really much that you, you can look into that because, again, that's at the start of the season where he was an unknown 
Um, but there will still be that'll be in the back of his mind a little bit, you know. That I think that he'll probably use that to kind of push forward. And um, you've seen how much he has grown as a quarterback this season. Um, he will have no fear going into this, and, and no reason to, you know, to, to do so either, um, because of what the Texans have done this season. Even with the the injury issues that they have had, they've still found a way. He has still found a way to move the ball, um, and, and for that reason. It's it's going to be absolutely fascinating. The the fact that Jackson is so mobile and can do so much on the ground, the fact that he is still there rushing yard leader is ridiculous. He's still ahead of uh, Gus Edwards um, for, for the, uh, the Ravens. Um, so this combination of uh, a quarterback that loves to throw the ball through the air versus a uh, Ravens team that are so dangerous on the ground as well. Um, yeah, cannot wait to see what what happens. Um, will, will, will the house money gamble pay off again? Uh, who knows? Who knows? One thing I can guarantee for this game is that Demico Ride will have a game plan for this game that sees them winning this. It's just where the players can execute it. Um, Go looking at individual players, uh, studs. Uh, the Ravens have activated Dalvin Cook uh, for this game. Uh, Melvin Gordon was released, was it, to make the space? Yeah. Um, but a huge, huge bit of news from him. Mar- Mark Andrews is back. Yep. Uh, he looks like he is going to be... I mean, I've, I've watched about and I, from a fantasy point of view, I picked up Isaiah Likely. He, I was watching him and I liked him. He looks like he can be their future tight end. He, he's got the, the ability. How big is having Mark Andrews back and how much of an impact do you think Dalvin Cook will have in the game? I think Mark Andrews is obviously the fascinating one and how how much of an impact he's going to have. There's no denying that Andrews is Lamar Jackson's safety blanket, favourite way, and whatever you want to call it. He is his first read on all passing plays. Um, obviously, Zay Flowers this year has looked like a top rookie as well from that standpoint as well, kind of helping share the load a little bit. Um, but it's going to be what's it going to be like coming off his injury is he going to be up to pace is he going to be there more as a decoy um, to worry the Texans defence, it's all these things that even activating him off IR starts to come, come into Demico Ryan's head and he has thought process for the game and for his game plan ultimately so even the yeah. fact that they've activated him means that right now the Texans need to start planning for Mark Andrews being out there whether Mark Andrews is out there for one snap or 20 snaps, he's still got to be in that game plan because in that one snap, he could take it to the house because we've seen him doing big plays with Lamar before. Yeah. In terms of Dalvin Cook, um, again, it's Smudger will probably be able to answer this better than me. <laughs> Cook was superb for the Vikings. I don't think there's any denying that. Didn't see much of him at the Jets, so he's probably not got any, any more wear on the tyres than what he had in Minnesota, being brutally honest. Um, yeah. But has he still got that explosiveness that he had in Minnesota? Right now, he's he's a total unknown factor. Again, D'Amico Ryan's really... Do you plan for the Dalvin Cook that you've seen in Minnesota, or do you plan with the few, the few snaps you've seen in New York for him? It's, Dalvin Cook's a real a mystery factor, if you like, on this one. Um, because again, we know how quickly the Ravens go through running backs, they just seem to be made out of chocolate when they go to Baltimore. Um, so it's, I mean, they could come on one snap and do an Aaron Rodgers. 
Yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit baffling for me that the the, the the Cook situation, what he could do in this game. You know, just going back to like when when Rogers went down at the start of the season for the Jets, you thought immediately that they are going to have to spend a little bit of time leaning on the running game, and it just never happened for Cook. Um, for for possibly a number of reasons, there might be reasons behind the scenes that we just don't know about. Um, whether there was, you know, whether whether there was issues there, whether it, for whatever reason it didn't work, he didn't settle, he didn't get the the number of snaps that he expected to get. I don't know if he when he moved there, you know, he, he left the Vikings as a, an obvious RB one, um, anticipated that was going to be the case going to the Jets. They've they've let him go and coming into this um, this football team, it could be. Yeah, the, the the unknown, I guess. Like you say, there's yeah, there's no more wear in his styles. Um, but he he was one of these players when he left the Vikings. He's he's at that you know that cliff edge that all good running backs eventually kind of teeter on. Um, there are exceptions to that rule, like Derrick Henry and and the likes that they don't they they just seem to keep going. It doesn't matter. Um, he's already come out and said that he'll be he'll be back. Um, so, I. How how much Cook does in this game being such an unknown? It might be a case of they, they roll the dice with him early on and see what happens. And if it's you know if the impact's not there, they try something else. Um, I don't think they would, they would take that or, or put that much of a, a gamble on Cook, uh, given that he's he's not really played any kind of competitive um, snaps with the team yet. Yeah, I mean, I think I think activating him again is just another. Like you stud, you mentioned it perfectly with Mark Andrews. It just makes the Texans think about something else. I don't think they've got any intention of giving them any meaningful amount of snaps because yeah. you've got Gus Bus, you've got Justice Hill over the last the end of the season. He's come on to a game. I mean, that period during the regular season where he had a couple of games where he showed what he can do and it kind of tailed off a wee bit. When he came at the end of the season, he seemed to step up again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at best, this game is going to be RB3, maybe short possessions, maybe goal line, maybe. Four, one or two, I think that's when you're going to see Dalvin Cook. You're not going to see Dalvin Cook in first and ten, I don't think, in this game. No, no chance. Like play just for to throw a mix up of it. I don't see Dalvin Cook having a massive impact on this game. It'll be Lamar get, running it. Sorry, when you go, it'll be Lamar running it. Like Lamar always sorry. does. Dalvin yeah. Cook will be RB four. Sorry, I should say. Aye, exactly, exactly. Well, that, that's yeah. the thing Graham mentioned earlier. Lamar's the top running back um, yeah. this year in terms of yardage. <laughs> Uh, and yep. albeit less attempts, but everybody knows with Lamar, you need to plan for the two of them. He's shown this year that he can sit in the pocket and spray the passes about as well. So I think he really has upped his game this year. Yeah. So let's get predictions. Graham, I'm not even going to bother asking you. <laughs> uh, studs, where's this one going? Well, I've spoke quite openly about the return of the Arrowhead Invitational to Kansas, oh. and I've obviously picked the Chiefs. Where did I get in Buffalo? which would mean for the Arrowhead Invitational to return to Kansas this year means I'm back in the Texans. Mudger? Similar story. Um, I think last weekend, the Packers showed what going in as a massive underdog can do to your mentality of nothing to lose. And also the pressure that what you think is a home crowd advantage, what can happen if you get punched in the in the face early and that crowd turns against you, and I think that's exactly what the Texans have got the potential to do in this game. So I I'm I'm going for the Texans as well. I think there's going to be a wee upset here. 
I mean, I think this, this is like a crazy thing to say, but this this game, so early in their careers, I cannot wait to see what CJ Stroud and Will Anderson do at this level. Because Dan, no at the start of the season, when those draft picks were made, the first three picks were made, if you turn around and said the two of them are going to be playing the divisional game this season, you'd have, you'd have laughed your face off because yeah. as good as they are, nobody would have seen this coming. This is going to be phenomenal. I can't wait to watch them. And I've loved watching the Texans this season. Mm-hmm. I've raved and raved about on this podcast. I'm all in the Ravens now. Season of the Cowboys are gone. <laughs> I mean, and I've got a kudos to uh, the Texans social media team, by the way. As soon as the Packers beat us last week, they had a, a tweet out immediately that said Texas's team. Fair play. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Fair yep. play. They had that ready to go. Obviously, they had that sitting in the drafts just in case. Um, yeah, I'm all in the Texans. I, I've got the Texans. I predict they're going all the way now. Don't do it, Don't do it. You've just put the crew cuss on them. Don't do it, Dan. The best thing is, right, if we do make it and we are at Arrowhead, that's another monkey off the back we've got to get. So it's all lining up that we can clean out all our old luggage. You know, (laughs) getting into that collapse that we had up there a couple of years ago. Uh, The NFL scriptwriters, this is exactly the type of story the NFL scriptwriters love. And they they, they make these stories up and it's like, this could never, ever happen. NFL scriptwriters like, what a bet. Let's make that happen. <laughs> I mean, TJ Stroud and Will Anderson win the Super Bowl in their first year as a rookie is exactly what the NFL would love to see. With a so rookie head coach. coach. Yes, and a rookie head coach. Sorry, yeah. I mean, that, that, is, a, that is an NFL scriptwriter's dream. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I am putting a curse on them and I hate doing it, but I'll, I cannot, I'll want to see the Texans win this game. Right, let's move on, guys. Let's move across the NFC. So, first, we'll start with the the Packers and the Niners, um, bit of a bloody nose, obviously, last week. For, well, I say a bloody nose. It was an absolute doing. Was it just a bloody nose for the Cowboys against the Packers last week? I'm watching that game and I just was like, I mean, yeah, I can't even, I don't even know what happened and what went wrong. Everything that could have went wrong did go wrong for us against the Packers. But credit to the Packers, they had a game plan, they came in, they executed. And I don't think the Packers, I don't think they made a mistake the whole game. I think they, they, their game plan was there and they stuck to it and they absolutely gave us an absolute doing. Um, the Niners are nine and a half points favourites in this game, which I think is very generous. And I know the Niners are the Niners. Um, but uh, let's see how this one's going to go. Um, where are we going? Smudger, start with yourself in this one. I think the only mistake the Packers made last week was maybe hooking players a wee bit too early. Liam mentioned that in the pod on uh, Tuesday. It was, I think it was a wee bit of uh, squeaky bum time at one point. It was like, get them back on, get them back on. Um, so I, maybe the only thing that maybe uh, could have given themselves a slightly easier fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, they, they didn't really put a foot wrong last week. Um, guy, guys that, let's say, well, We've talked so much about how well Jordan Love has done for the Packers. Um, similar similar story to, to, to Stroud coming in and what, what he's done in this team. Um, but last week, like, guys like Jones were phenomenal as well, um, like having a, over 100 yards. And then uh, Romeo Dobbs had an absolutely like, tremendous game as well. So they're playing with confidence. Um Understandably, after such a, a massive win last week, um, if they can carry that momentum going into this game, but like, what, what, what do you say about this this Fortnite side that they're going to be up against, um, who have just been brilliant um, at the very beginning of the season and throughout the season when we've all done our um, predictors and everything else about you know who eventually makes it to the big dance? 
the 49ers are in there somewhere usually um, because they are just so um, diverse in the, the quality that they've got, the depth that they've got, um, and not just on the field, the quality they've got off the field as well in terms of coaching, the play calling, everything about the 49ers um, we absolutely love to watch. Um, the We're hoping anyway that the 49ers um, don't have the same quarterback woes that they had last uh, last time round um, when we got to this um, kind of end of the season. But um, you, you mentioned it in the chat earlier on, Dan, and, and shared the wee, the wee article about um, some, some ex-Packers players that were maybe suggesting that a, a hit on the QB um, and a 15-yard penalty may not be the worst thing to happen. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, this, the NFL, this is not something the NFL would want to see happening at. I don't agree with it. You want, as a, a neutral fan, obviously mm-hmm. Packers fans just want to win the game, but you yeah. want to see the best players out there. And you want, if you're going to win that game, you want to win against the best players. That's that's the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, that's, if you're a Packers fan and you see you can win the game against Brock Purdy, you're going to want to Brock Purdy playing if you win that game. Yeah. And I think if, for example, this was now, obviously this is now went viral, this, this interview and these quotes. If this now, something now happens, even accidentally to Brock Purdy in this game, mm. this is going to be brought up. This is now going to be a case of, are the Packers done this? Or the Packers won this game because of... Right, they did play dirty a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> the Packers deserve to win it. It'll now be the Packers won this game because Brock Purdy was the out. I mean, that's, mm. the, that's the problem. You're now putting this... and He's, he's not done a but obviously, but he's now putting this kind of angle on the Packers. That they now need to watch... Not, not they need to watch what they're doing. But yeah. She takes it the, the, away from if they win this game and Brock Purdy gets injured as a result of a tackle, suddenly you're like, mm, this, this, this is not a good, this isn't good optics. Yeah, that, that, that's what was talked about so much. Like, see, when, when the 49ers were eventually reduced to almost having McCaffrey throwing the, the, the ball because they were they'd just run out of quarterbacks. Um, yeah, hopefully, yeah, not, not going to be the same case this time. Um, but the Niners will still be hurting from that. They'll, they'll have a wee bit of chip on their shoulder, I think, about that. Um, the, the what could have been's. Um, they will be, yeah, they'll be fully well prepared for this game. Um, and let's see the talent that they've got. You've you've seen what um, McCaffrey can do. He's he's just such a phenomenal player. At any point in that game, he could he could come up with a a run that just absolutely tears through. The, the, the Packers um, and yeah, the, the, they've just got so many potential um, avenues for for Purdy as well. He's he's been yeah, he's he's come in for a little bit of um, probably unfair, um, not critique because he's not really done anything wrong. This is what like I like Purdy a lot. Um, I think Purdy gets done a massive disservice when they say oh it's just, he's just put into a, a Shanahan system and anybody could could come in and do that job. Um, I, I think he's he's played very very well. Uh, his statistics don't lie. Um, so yeah, what, what what else can you say about the Fortnite's other than what we've what we've talked about all season? How how good they are, how how massive favourites they are in this game. You know. Yeah, I think the best way to describe the Fortnite's is they are the Fortnite's. Do you know what I mean? There's no. <laughs> it's like, hmm. but I mean, they don't really have a weakness. But, sorry. They don't really have a, an obvious weakness that I, yeah. I could, I could well, name. What, what, I'll give you one. I, I've, I found a stat that shows a weakness. The 49ers red zone defence are giving up a touchdown in 65% of the plays. 
That's one of the worst in the league. If they can, if the Green Bay can get oh. in that red with Aaron Jones the way he played last week, they can get in the end zone. I mean, the, there is a chance of doing that. I mean, uh, go back to what you're talking about, Jordan Love. In his last nine games, which is when the Packers really started turning it around and getting towards mm-hmm. playoff contention and thinking we can do this, 21 touchdowns and one interception in his last nine games. That's a, that's oh, any quarterback, never mind a, a quarterback. It was maybe not, I'm not saying written off, but wasn't a lot of high expectations coming into the season. That's ridiculous. That's, I mean, that's yeah. it, MVP level stats when you're looking at it like that. It really is. And yeah. again, can I get back that's to what someone was saying about Brock Purdy? It wasn't that long ago we were talking about Brock Purdy as a potential MVP as well. So it's really going to be a fascinating QB battle for me. You're looking at an informed quarterback who somebody against somebody that's been performing all year at a high level. Yeah, yeah. No, did we see um, just when you're talking about love there and the um, the 21 touchdowns, one interception? Did you see the other one about Love and Stroud and their QB stats last week and how yes. they were almost, they were so close to being absolutely identical? Like 16 for 21, averaged about 13 yards an attempt, three touchdowns, no interceptions. The only difference in the yardage, 272 versus 274. I mean, that's just, it's crazy how close those two ended up being. Both of them were so close to perfect passer ratings, and the only reason Jordan Love lost his was the fact they had to come back on the field. If he stayed off the field, he would have had a perfect passer rating. Uh, <laughs> that is mental. A couple of stats about the, the, the Niners then. So their offence, um, averaging 390 yards per game, number two in the league. Just ridiculous. Nearly 400 yards a game for any offence. But that's number two in the league. That shows you where they're at with that one. Their defence... At home, are averaging like putting up less than twenty points against them at home this season. I mean, the the, the, the sorry, I'm going to say the Texans. <laughs> the Packers are going to need more than twenty points to win this game. You know, I mean, if the Packers want to win, they've got to more than twenty points. Um, for me, the Packers. I mentioned the Texans. I, I didn't really believe the Texans. I think the Packers have peaked too soon. I don't think the Packers mm-hmm. can repeat what they did last week again this week. They need to be perfect. If any team never, like even the, the elite teams, be perfect two weeks in a row, it never happens. The Packers are going to have to be perfect again this week, Graham. Can they do it? I'm not sure if they can. Um, I really like not just because it was against the, the uh, against Dallas, but I really enjoyed watching Green Bay play last week. You know, um, I thought they were phenomenal. But the, the, one of the most interesting stories is. They're like the youngest team in the league, yeah. Like average age, yeah. Like their whole yeah. wide receiving core is like, I think that was another thing I seen was like people don't know who they are because they're not household names. They're just like young guys, and it's almost like Love's managed to galvanize these young guys together and go, look, why can't it be us? Why can't we go out and play our own style of football out here? Um, I don't think it'll be enough to overcome the 49ers. Uh, I think they're too strong. The they do have that chip on their shoulder from you know from last year, and they, they they'll be wanting a showdown. They they'll be eyeing up Baltimore in the final. That's who they'll be gunning for. But like that, some of the that throws that Love was making, you know, that was like a. It's, I've only seen that from Stroud as well this year. 
from a young guy who looks like an old an old head, throwing the ball about, um, controlling his offense, just moving the ball down at will. I think the pressure that the Niners will be able to put on him is going to be a lot more than what Dallas could. Like, yeah. I don't know what happened to Dallas. Um, well, they are, to be fair, mate. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I was fully expecting them to get after the quarterback, but they just didn't seem to get close enough. But I don't yeah. think the 49ers will have that issue. Um, they're, what, are they the first number seven seed to make it yeah. through as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so there were the, the, the Cowboys' defense. So, sorry, Dan. I mean, you. I'm sure you'll agree. Offensively, they didn't do too much wrong. But the Cowboys' defense was shambolic. Like some of the coverage was shambolic. Um, yeah, I don't think that you're going to. I don't think you're going to see touchdowns like the the Musgrave one where he was wide open. You're not going to get that against the 49ers. You're not going to see these same errors. So, in a way, like, yeah, the the don't don't. Um, take this as me wanting uh, to take any credit away from the Packers. Absolutely not. They still you know, deservedly are through and everything else. Um, but this 49ers team and this 49ers defence is, is, I think, going to be a completely different story. Um, they're not going to get the same, um, you know, the same not favours. But yeah, it was basically a free, a free hit almost with some of the some of the plays that they were able to make in that game. Um, I just don't see that happening um, in this matchup. I mean, I'm not obviously going to go over it too much in terms of from a Cowboys point of view because we're out. But throughout this season, there's been games, especially against the bigger teams, where and I have I can bring up the history of the conversation I've had with my dad that wide receivers and tight ends against our secondary, for some reason, in certain games, have the freedom of AT&T Stadium. I do not know what Dan Quinn does, but the amount of times last week where there was a Packers player with not one DB near him was ridiculous, and it wasn't just once or twice. It was consistently for the whole game. What went wrong last week for us was Dan Quinn's play calling. I do not know what he done last week. It just the, the game plan. I mean, again, same as you, Smudger. I'm not taking anything away from the Packers here because they deservedly won. But all those plays were great, and obviously the Packers have looked at this and they've, they've, they've identified that as a weakness, and they've schemed up plays where they can get wide receivers wide open. There was a play. Who was it? Caught it. Who's who's the other? It's not Dobbs. Who's the other one? They've got. Forgot his name. Not Reed. Who's the third? I can't remember. Watson. 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 There was a play with somebody took a picture of it where there's three Dallas Cowboys players over Christian Watson, who's probably about ten yards downfield, and there's Dobbs or Dobbs. I'm sorry, twenty yards further with nobody near him because there's three players drawn to Christian Watson. So the Mm -hmm. Packers about game plan. For that, I thought we can get, and it's worked. They're not going to get that against the 49ers. No, they're not no. going to get the freedom of, I was going to say Candlestick Park, but they don't have to play <laughs> they're not going to get the freedom of Santa Clara this week. Mm. That's why I'm saying they need to be perfect. And I, yeah. for me, I, I just don't think they can be perfect two weeks in a row. The Niners aren't going to give them as much freedom as the Cowboys gave them. Nick Bosa is going to get at. Jordan Love this week. I don't know what happened last week. Again, play calling. I mean, there was one play where Micah Parsons dropped back into coverage last week. I do not, I do not know what Dan Quinn was playing it last week. I really don't. I'm, I'm not going to get it. Packers deserve to win, and I'll leave it at that. The 49ers will win this week for me, and I, I will just have too much for the Packers. Again, let's come back to NFL script writers. The Texans in the Super Bowl, D'Amico Ryans up against the 49ers. <laughs> so, for me, it's the Niners. 
Graham, you've said nine of studs. Um, I'm going to go slightly different. I think the Packers are obviously having a bit of form. I like the I like, I like to kind of get behind a bit of momentum, so I'm not going to put the crew curse on the 49ers. I'm going to go Packers as much as it pains me to pick a team in the green. Smudger. <laughs> okay. Um, I all credit say to the Packers last week they were brilliant to watch and as a Vikings fan I said it last week as well um, how, how much it pained me to talk about how well they've been playing um, I think this will be similar to and I said the same thing last week about when the Dolphins were playing the Chiefs and about how they would have to be perfect um, how they would have to have a perfect game um, I think the only way that Green Bay are going to win this is again to have a perfect game I just I don't I don't think they're going to be able to do it against this 49ers team. I'm, I'm going to go with the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, studs, to be fair to you, come before we started tonight, before we started this conversation, I was thinking, can the Packers do it? But then I thought, they need to be perfect again. And yeah. if they are, I've all hands up and credit to them. I just, I just can't see. I think the Niners were, but we've we'll, we'll not put the curse on them though, which is the main thing. Yeah, no, it's going yeah. to come down to turnovers, and one of the things that the Forty Niners have done a lot of, I think they've got twenty-two interceptions in the season, um, so they do pick off a lot of quarterbacks. For me, again, I've seen firsthand a uh, Chavarius Ward and what a good receiving core can do to him as a player. Now. Again, my hat goes off to Chavarius Ward. He has had a phenomenal season this year. I think he's one of the top DBs um, on the season in terms of coverage. So maybe he has upped his game. Um, but when you're looking at those wide receiving options for Jordan Love, I, I, I think probably at least at Reed, Dubs, Watson, I think any of the three of those, one-on-one -on -one with Chavarius Ward, I think can beat him nine times out of ten. And that gives Jordan Love the ball keeping it moving and again if Aaron Jones we mentioned earlier on he was having a field day last week he looked back to his best again some like we mentioned with Dalvin Cook somebody this season that's not got a lot of trading the tyres through injuries is he finding a bit of speed and a bit of form at the right time yeah I mean and I think what you say there about the, the, the wide receivers is bang on I think the Packers wide receivers do beat the DBs but is, is Jordan Love going to have the time to get the ball to them, that's where this is going to come down to. And I think I said, I don't know if it was last week, I said, and I, in fact, I've said that a couple of cases, this Packers offence is set for years. This is going forward. Those wide receivers, that that quarterback, we're going to be seeing a lot of them in the next couple of years. If they can find that next up-and-coming running back, they are going to be set and they're going to be building for the next few years. I think it's just too soon for the Packers. They are going to be a team, I think, over the next few years. They're going to get back to where they've been before. I think this is maybe just too soon for them. Um, yeah, so let, let, let's, let's, let's move on to the next game. So let's move on to the, the crew's second darling of the season, the Lions. We've been saying all season we love Dan Campbell. And I think to an extent, it's the same idea as D'Amico Ryans. He's a coach that the players will run through a brick wall for. And he will run through a brick wall for his players. And I think that's why we like... We have liked the Lions a lot this season because we can resonate with that in terms of. I think I think it was Keith I kind of mentioned in the review crew, and he put it perfectly. The whole grit, the whole the city, it's all working class. It's all people that, and that is what Dan Campbell has brought back to Lions, and that has made a massive difference. The whole, I wouldn't say he's built a siege mentality, but that's he's built this whole. We are us, and nothing anybody else does makes a difference. We will focus on us, 
because a lot of teams in the NFL kind of worry about other things, but he's brought it in-house. We would focus on us and nobody else. And the Lions have been phenomenal this season. And I don't think... I think we spoke about them last season. We could, you could see it coming. You could see it building. You could see them building the team. I think maybe this year, maybe we've been in a year too early again, but they've completely exceeded all expectations. Um, so this one is going to be very interesting. Uh, in terms of the Bucks, the, the crew's favourite player, as mentioned, Baker Mayfield. I say the crew. Brian's favourite player. Um, Baker Mayfield has, has done wonders there. So... Let's get into this one, studs. I'll, I'll wait till you finish coughing and laughing there for a second. Um, <laughs> give us your rundown of this game. For, for me, obviously, Brian and the Baker apologist he is. Baker's had a phenomenal season. I think he's totally exceeded expectations. Nobody probably gave him a chance. I mean, I heard some people say, or some other podcasts saying that they had the Bucks finishing with the second overall draft pick over the season, which just goes to show how bad the expectation was on that front but he's really lit up that wide receiver core he's found again he knows he knows who he needs to feed he knows he needs to feed Godwin he knows he needs to feed Mike Evans and when you've had Rashad White running the ball as effectively and efficiently as he had and again he's been somebody that's been a good weight about the backfield so the but the Bucks have looked good um Similar to what we've said about the Texans this round and Packers in the previous round, there's really no expectations um, for the Bucks. They can really just play with a complete freedom um, on that front. So, as I say, they can just go out there and ball out, like backyard ball, have fun, enjoy themselves. For me, I think the problem is going to be on the defensive side. Um, watching a lot of clips of what they did last week, um, to the Eagles, they blitz a lot. They really do. They, um, the manager Todd Bowles loves an overload blitz. And again, from that perspective, Jared Goff has got two running backs in the backfield that he will happily dump that ball off to. Jameer Gibbs, we've seen what he can do when he catches the ball at the backfield. The guy is electric. David Montgomery is a more than serviceable got, uh, running back, to say the least, as well. And Amon Ra has, is just an elite wide receiver. So I think the defence is going to... The, for the Bucks to have do anything in this game, I think they're going to need to re, um, reel in the blitz game a little bit and rely on their very good DBs, like, say, Winfield Jr., things like that, to stand up against Amon Ra St. Brown. Yeah. I've actually got a start here about the, the box blitz. I'm glad you brought this up. It's, it's brought me in perfectly. So, the, the box have blitzed on 40% of all plays where their opponent have dropped back in the regular season. That's a lot, right? What is the third most in the league in terms of blitz against the drop back? So, obviously, what that says last week against the Eagles, Jared Goff's QB rating when he faces the blitz this year, he overall is 11th in the league in general. Against the blitz, he drops to 15th. So, Jarkov's not great against the Blitz. Uh, you mentioned, obviously, Montgomery and Gibbs, but that means that they need to have said, I'm assuming they'll be able to get the reads of when the Bucks are going to Blitz, but they need, they need to have the, the two running backs in space to, to counter that Blitz. So, I think that's, that's how the, the Bucks, the best chance of the Bucks to win this game is on the defense and getting, I mean, their offensive weapons are ridiculous. I mean, we mentioned something you mentioned, I'm not going to try not to contradict you here, studs. But the Bucks are worst in the league for rushing. 
this year. They're averaging eight, eight yards per game. That, that's the worst in the league. Um, so, as much as Rashad White's maybe in a recent game, but overall, their rushing game is, is, is very poor. So, mm. for the Bucks to win this, it's going to have to be on defence and through the air. Um, so, can they do it? Is that another question? In terms of the Lions, oh, <laughs> I, I didn't realise. I mean, obviously, the Lions have been good this season, right? But I hadn't actually looked at the stats. For their offence this season, they're fifth for rushing the league, fourth for passing, which makes them third overall offence in the league this year. That's just ridiculous. I mean, it's, and I, I know that they had a great record, but I would never have predicted that. If you said to me, where are the lines? I'd maybe I'd put fifth, sixth, seventh overall. I'd never had them the third best offence in the league because I just hadn't really thought about it. But probably a lot of people are probably the same, to be fair. Um, Smudger, wh- where's this game going to be won and lost for you? So I was looking at a couple of wee stats just um, before we came onto the pods, and there was one that I just thought was quite a good one to highlight. So the Bucks last week, like massive win for them, and you mentioned there about the the, the ground stats. White only getting seventy two yards in, in the, that game. Um, their standout for receiving yards was a tight end, Kaden. So I was interested to see how the Lions have fared against the tight end position uh, throughout the season. Um, the one interesting stat I found, um, see if you can guess, is, is how many touchdowns the Lions have given up this season to tight ends. Because I can one. tell you it's not very much. Ooh. One? You were right. One. They have given up one touchdown to a tight end this season. And, and even then, it's not really a it's not really a tight end because it was against the Saints and it was ah. the Swiss Army <laughs> tight end himself. It was Taysom Hill. He probably so, ran it in the QB. He probably didn't even a catch. I, so I'm not I'm not even counting that as a touchdown against the tight end because it was Taysom. He was probably playing at QB at the time or something. Um, but I I thought I thought that was quite a quite a wee standout start because they they, they leaned heavily on him last week now. Game plans change every week. Um, they're going to come into this game against the Lions with probably a completely different game plan to what they had against the Eagles. Um, and it's what Baker can do. Now, last week we talked um, on the pod when um, Ross was on as a, a guest and he was talking about how banged up Baker was and as a Bucks fan, how he feared what was Mayfield going to be able to do. Seems to have come out the other side of that relatively unscathed seemed to be moving the ball still pretty well albeit maybe still a wee bit kind of padded up um, he's had another um, another week to hopefully um, get a wee bit more uh, recovery in um, so it's, it's going to come down to Mayfield and what he can do he has like an ensemble of talent um, to, to throw the ball to and the other wee, the other wee nugget just you know you, you look at the build up to these games and you see player interviews and they're getting asked about certain players, and there's wee, there's wee shots fired, there's wee things that just come out, and you think, I can't wait to see how this pans out come the weekend. So the one that I saw on the, the NFL website, it was an interview with CJ Garner-Johnson, and he's talking about um, the Bucks. Have you seen this, or have you heard this quote? Uh, when he's talk- he, he, he takes a wee shot at him, basically complimenting everyone in that team. He says, they've got a great group. Um, but with just a good quarter. They don't have a good quarterback. Try to get the exact quote. Is that's a if you give that Tampa group a good quarterback, they become a great group. That's a great group. So he's complimenting guys like Mike Evans. He's complimenting guys like Chris Godwin, um, Gage, everything else. Saying they're a great group. But a wee a wee sly dig 
um, Baker Mayfield. So I wonder if Baker Mayfield is gonna gonna see that and maybe take that as a wee bit of incentive to say, uh, I'll, "I'll show you what I can do." Did that's, you see Baker's like, comeback on it? Sorry, Dan. Baker came back on it because he mentioned Russell Gage specifically, and he said, yes, well, "He maybe needs to watch a bit more film because Russell's <laughs> Russell Gage has played about three snaps for us this season." <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so fair play, to Baker. Mean, the thing is, I mean, that's like from what we, obviously, most of us come from, are watching a soccer background. That's the sort of thing you stick up in the dressing room wall. It I, really is. I mean, and I think, I mean, CJ, he's he's opened his mouth so much this season and. I think Dan Campbell really kind of needs to take him aside and say, shut the fuck up, really. Do you know what I mean? Because he opens his mouth too much this season and he doesn't really back up, to be fair. Um, is, but, is he not the one that's been ejected a couple of times for punching people with helmets? Was it yeah, not against it the Bucks twice for the Saints he done it? And then nah, he punched he, Michael no. Thomas and, um, and training as well. Yeah, he's, 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 he opens his mouth. I mean, you can get it if it's someone like a Richard Sherman, for example, do you know what I mean, that opens his nah. mouth. We can back up. Do you know what I mean like yeah. it's, it's, it's not right, but you can back up. <laughs> if you, unless yeah. you can back up on if you keep your mouth shut as we allocate it. Um, so yeah. I forgot what yeah. the other kind of yeah. the, the other thing that um, the other thing that Baker just said um, in that interview, and it's and it's so true when you look at all the other games that have panned out in these playoffs so far, is that the teams that tend to fall away are, are actually the ones that end up eating themselves. Um, and that's basically what we've seen in a lot of the games so far. It's it's mistakes and errors that have cost teams so dearly so far. Um, and okay, yeah, we've seen yeah, um, the teams that have gone through, there's obviously massive merit there and credit to be given. Um, but there's been just so many examples as well of uh, teams basically beating themselves. If, if yeah, In this matchup, the Lions and the Bucks, it's possibly going to come down to that because... Yeah, I don't know how you could call this one. Um, it's I can't wait to see it. Um, it's, t- it's two teams that we probably at the beginning of the season didn't really expect to be at this stage of the playoffs. Um, you know, the, the Detroit obviously does a massive backstory there. We loved seeing the the post game kind of celebrations and, and the fact that they've waited so like decades um, for for this to finally happen. Um, and it's great when you see stories like that happen uh, in the NFL. So um, yeah, two kind of unexpected teams, um, and one one of them is going to make it to the next stage as well. We're going to be seeing the Bucks and the Lions um, competing to go to the big dance, and that's going to be phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've just, I've just completely forgot somebody's name that I was going to mention there. Sorry. Yeah, so go back to look at Dan Campbell. I, I'm assuming we've all watched the, the kind of dressing room footage at the end of the game last week in terms of game balls. When was the last time you seen a game ball go to a GM? Has it, has it ever happened? Has the head coach ever gave a GM a, a, a game ball after the game? But to be fair, Brad Holmes deserved yeah. it. He has put some team together for Dan Campbell in that. And uh, I know they mentioned it on the review crew, but uh, Jared Koff, Good enough for fucking Detroit. Loved it. That that is, and that goes back to the man management thing. Do I mean it's like he could he could have rhymed off that Jared Goff. You've done this, this. No, this one line I know will mean so much to you as a person as a player. It's more important than any stats or anything you have done as a player. You're good enough for our team, and that's all that matters. And that mm-hmm. comes back to he knows his players. He knows when to put an arm around them. He knows when to give them a kick up the arse. He knows his man management skills must be ridiculously good and, and it's it's great to see as I, I kind of I kind of lost my position I know one he's mentioned earlier on me obviously see 
what was it yourself, Graham, that said, you see head coaches standing on the sideline, yeah. kind of letting the coordinators do things. Dan Campbell is the same mould as D'Amico Ryans, where he is the guy that goes to the players. It's all about man management. It's all about looking after these players. It's not about what the coordinators do. The coordinators play the calls, make yeah. the call. He looks after the players. And that is amazing to watch and to see. And I think that's one of the reasons why, personally myself, and I'm assuming why most of you guys, I've been really interested in watching the Lions and the Texans this season because you've got two head coaches who will look after their players and do anything for their players, and that means more than any sort of talent to me. Um, I think it's great when uh, players, like, find a head coach that really works for them. You know, like, look at Baker Mayfield. There was a quote, I think, that Bowles had said after, um, after McVeigh had taken Baker in uh, LA and he just told him, be yourself, you know, it's like at the Browns, he couldn't be himself. You know, there was a lot of pressure on him at the Browns to be the savior of the Browns and everything and get him to the promised land. And then he kind of lost himself a bit. And then when he went to the Rams for like that, what was it? Four games or something. Sean McVeigh was like, just be yourself. So when he went to the Bucks, Todd Bowles was like, look, I want you to be you. We have the car, just drive it. That's what he said to him, mm-hmm. you know. And can you imagine how that feels to have that pressure come off you? And Bo said, I told him, like McVeigh, be yourself. And the players have gravitated towards him. And I think that's why we've seen a different side to the Bucks. Like, I don't think they come out of a, a particularly difficult, like, division this year. I, I don't think that was one of the stronger divisions this year. Yeah. But... Again, the, the teams are hitting their stride at the right time. The, the team's galvanised, and I'll use that word a lot, because um, that's what seems to happen at this time of the season. But they've really got behind Baker. The, they'll love what he's about. Like, Did you see the clip of him messing about during the game when he was like taking the drink and he's scoring? with uh, the water bottle. <laughs> yeah. Like, who does that in like, these high-pressure situations? And that, yeah. his teammates must love that, you know, like, We've got a guy who's cool under pressure. If he's cool, we are cool. You know, he's not stressed. So it's really interesting when, um, like, especially quarterbacks find their right head coach. And especially for golf, after what he went through, he's probably found that he's got the guy that you're right. He knows when to put his arm around you and he knows when to kick you up the arse. And golf has got this guy who's like, look, you're our quarterback. And just to, to, to give him that extra cementing of giving him that game ball and saying what he did you know that's going to elevate him to another level so yeah it's just brilliant seeing these two teams because like i don't really have a horse in this one at all i i don't mind either but i like i I like the lions i I don't know there's something about their hardships that they've gone through for so many years you know um yeah we can all i'm going to say it we can all just lose ourselves in the moment, <laughs> hey. we can just do it. Hey, let's let's just do that, and it's it's great to see the Lions finally reaping some benefits because they went through some hellish years. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think tonight, I've always just thought about this here. I mean, being a Lions fan must be like a Scotland fan, right? Do you know what I mean you've been the underdog for so long? You've had so many hard luck stories. You've you've shot yourself in the foot, and now suddenly your team's becoming good, and you don't know how to deal with it. We actually qualified for the Euros not by fluke, not by playoffs. We actually qualified for the Euros. The Lions fans 
we're in the playoff. We're in the how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> do it again next year, it'll be like us because now we're, we're two in a row for the Euros. So it's like we've made the playoffs twice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like they they'll be thinking it's like buses, they've not had a playoff game at home in how many years and now we've got two. Um, what? Yeah. <laughs> that that's just reminds me of something. I know I shared it on the crew chat. I don't know if you've seen this Graham with the uh, Somebody after the the box game, I was at the asking Todd Bowles how they're going to prepare for the weather in Detroit. Oh. And I mean, oh that, that, poor, that poor girl has been just fired, and it is. Oh as said, she's obviously not a sports reporter. She's just been fired and there to ask questions and and just seen the tape. I'll ask him about the weather in Detroit. That poor poor girl. The answer Bowles. was class, though, wasn't it? He's like, yeah, it's indoors, so yeah, we'll be outside for like all the two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Get off the bus. <laughs> yeah. Balls was quite classy in his response because you could see his face. Uh, is, yeah. is this a serious question? Are you really asking me about the, uh, You know we play. You know they play in a dome. The lot of head coaches there, but we kind of went opposite the opposite direction with that question and kind of not ripped her, but just kind of been a bit. And he thought Balls was like he recognised that she probably probably didn't know as much as what. Yeah. A sports reporter. I don't know. Maybe she's a sports reporter. Maybe I'm reading it wrong, but the impression you got wasn't that she didn't really know. Not that she didn't know what she was talking about. She maybe just didn't have the knowledge required to ask that type of question and that no disservice to her. But he handled it right and he didn't make a fool of her and he didn't kind of make her feel stupid. He kind of just. And that probably um, shows you how he's probably been such a good head coach for this Buccaneers team. That that one moment there when he could like have belittled them, but he chose like a, a, a better path. And a better way yeah. of handling the situation, yeah. and that's probably what he does with his players. Yeah, it's all about like setting the standard and being that. Mm-hmm. And not what's what I'm looking for. Um, I forgot what I'm going to say. I, I set the standard and kind of being what the players should follow and kind of yeah. in terms of attitude and stuff like that. Kind of highlights probably what he does do. Yeah, yeah imagine guys, if it was Mike Tomlin, he would have just walked off. <laughs> <laughs> Again, uh, guys, let's get we're getting deep into this the, the podcast thing. Let's get predictions for this one. Um, studs, where are you going? I'm going uh, Detroit to win again and to head into the NFC Championship game for a a rivalry game, basically. Oh, I see. Yeah, <laughs> that would absolutely gut smudge up to pieces if it was the Packers oh. against the Lions in the <laughs> NFC Championship game. <laughs> the lines making it. I hate to say it, but I I do think the lines are gonna gonna get through in this one. Uh, I think that yeah, the the story so far, I'm, I'm totally I'm totally invested in, uh, and that and that's coming from somebody that's whose team is in the NFC North. Um, it's it's been a sore one to watch them um, do so well in the playoffs, but I maybe maybe yeah, they go through and then hopefully hopefully be the Packers. <laughs> Graham, up yourself. Yeah, I've got the Lions. I don't think Yah Yah Diaby is going to have enough to stop Jared Goff. So uh, yeah, I'm going with the Lions. I just, I just really want it to be like a a, a non-winner previous making it to the to the, the next stage. I just want that story. Yeah, fresh. Yeah. I mean, up. to be fair, see if the crew were the NFL scriptwriters this season. It would just. The Texans against the Lions in the Super Bowl. That would be that would be the Cruise Super Bowl of choice. Oh I know, my god. That, but as a general, the way our seasons went, what the way you spoke about teams, it would be the Lions against. And I think to be fair, she's a neutral fan. I would love to see that as a Super Bowl. That would be yeah. both Tough teams. Thing of, yeah, amazing. If we script wrote that, then the WWE scriptwriters would be um giving us all a call. 
see how you can yeah. now. There's always been a story about get Taylor Swift to the, the Super Bowl. Screw that. Get Eminem back to the Super Bowl. That was oh. the greatest halftime show ever. Yeah. But I mean, class. Cool. Best one we've had in years. Oh, definitely. To be fair, Apple Music are producing this year's one. It's Usher. But with Apple Music, there's going to be a special guest. I think this one year's going to be good as well, I think. Let's see how it oh, goes. Anyway, I don't know. I'm going Lions. <laughs> I get the crew cost, but I think they can overcome the crew cost this year. This week, um, yeah, Lions. I want the Lions through. Uh, the Bucks, I've been impressed by them. They've done yep. phenomenal the Eagles last week, but the Eagles were... The Eagles we've seen the last few weeks on a complete slide... Who knows what's going on over there? It's like disasters are wrong. I just think the Lions are a big step up for the Bucks. I don't think they can make, as you mentioned, to be not no offense to the Texans, like both South divisions this year have been very underwhelming. I think the crew all predicted that at the start of the season. We all said both South divisions, you can pick the straw to get the winner out of them, and I think that kind of turned out to be the case at the end of it because both went right down to the wire. I think the Lions have just got too much this week, so I'm going to go Lions as well. Alright guys, I did have a third and top ten lined up, but I think we're going to have to leave it time-wise. So we're going to go, we're going to finish, we're going to finish a statistic of the week. Though I've pulled a, an absolute... Ooh, that's um, so, I'll give you... You probably won't be able to answer this, but I'm going to give you a chance anyway. Right? The longest time between two, a, a catch, right, from a quarterback to a wide receiver, and the same repeating itself has been 18 years, right? Do you understand what I'm saying with this one? Nope. So how long the ball was in the air? To a receiver, the next the time those two players hooked up, or the next time that these people hooked up, was 18 years later. Right. First okay. pass, and then 18 years later, they caught another pass. Another pass, right, okay. Yep. 18 years again was the next time that that quarterback threw a pass, and this same person caught it. That was better, because I kind of was a bit misleading with the first point I made. I'm with you now. Okay. Are they still active? No. There we go. It's a bit of a trick question. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that now. Oh, okay. Um, so we can narrow, narrow it down to like Q, QB throwing it, I'm assuming. Yes. Or is that the trick? Yeah, okay. So QB with longevity in the league. So a Brady, a Manning, um, we on the right lines here. Yeah, yeah, that, that longevity, yes. None of those players, but in longevity, yes. <laughs> Would have to be if they've been in the year for the in the, the league for eighteen in years. For eighteen years, that's why I thought I was going to catch it. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not. You don't know, get it. I'm, I'm somebody like Jeff Garcia. Jeff or Garcia. That's who I was. Oh. Going to like Jeff Garcia. I wanted it wrong, and I kind of misled you. So I'm going to have to give you his answer, right? Uh, what I should have said was a player throwing it and a player catching it was eighteen years. It was the same person. It is Brett Favre. Okay. He threw a pass to himself for his first ever NFL reception and 18 years later was the next time he threw a pass yeah. and he caught it as well. All right, okay. Ah. So he did it with Green Bay and then he did it with the... Vikings? It must Jets. have been the Vikings, aye. But I saw... Right. I, 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 Jets, I mean, I'm upset and I wanted it wrong to start with, but yeah. So, Brett Favre threw a pass to Brett Favre and the next time that that happened again was 18 years later. He was such need, a good need to find, he just had to do it to himself again, did he? You, you need to try and find it then if it's two separate players, what the what the biggest gap is, because there must be somebody somebody in the NFL archives will be able to dig that out somehow. Be, I, I'm not going to go digging that far. I'm not, I'll take forever. 
We'll be there forever trying to figure that one out. <laughs> uh, just to finish up a couple of points, guys, before we finish up in terms of uh, what's going on across, basically across the UK and across Scotland, American football-wise. So, uh, first, I'd like to say thanks to the Glasgow Tigers and AK Pirates. Keith was down watching their open tryouts this week. A uh, good bit of chat uh, with them as well. So, hopefully, going forward, there's a bit something we can we can look forward to is link up to those teams, maybe a bit of coverage. Uh, something the crew are going to look to do in the off-season is look at Brit Ball a bit more. Yeah, so good luck to all the Brit Ball teams. Pre-season kind of starts now in terms of open tryouts. Anybody that's out there that's ever thought about trying the game, get down to your local team. The local tr- their tryouts for the, the next season's on at the moment. Um, so yeah, Brit Ball is going to get a good bit of coverage coming into next year from the crew. So good luck to all those teams that have started their, their pre-season and their tryouts. Uh, another thing is, if anybody's in Edinburgh this weekend watching the games, make sure you, uh, you drop in to drop Kick Murphy's. Uh, they've got a wee store in the shop. They've got some absolutely cracking gear in the store in the shop. I've seen the pictures on Instagram. If you quote Gridiron Crew when you're in the shop, you'll get 10% off any items that you purchase uh, while you're in there. And also, the venue looks an absolutely cracking place to watch games as well. Studs, I know you're not a fan, but it does look like a good venue, to be fair. He right. loves a discount, though. Loves a 10% discount. Nah, I, 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 I don't know if I would get, get through with it, maybe burning or something. <laughs> nah. Doesn't like a 10% discount or sitting in a green and yellow place. Oh, no. <laughs> what, what are we going to do? And anyway, I'll give it 5% discount if you change the lights to blue. <laughs> I, did, I, did suggest, I did say to the boys, it does look like a good place as well, to be fair. If, it it's, if it's NFL that's on, I'll sit and watch it. Does it matter? Yes, and to be fair, the guys at Dropkick Murphys, they have kind of been in touch with us and kind of doing something with them, so that's something to watch out for going forward. Uh, just get a couple of Kirby road trip through Edinburgh. Tell you what, we'll do, uh, we'll do uh, your man cave, Graham, and then we'll stop at Edinburgh on the way back, and then that, that, that will do it on the way <laughs> Like tour. <laughs> Gr- Crew on tour. That's uh, live, live from. That's what the next. That's what we should do next season. Gridiron Crew live from. That's <laughs> a, that's a podcast yep. next season. Uh, Smudger, it's been a pleasure as always. Just Dan, appreciate it. Good fun talk to you boys. Stud, you're becoming more regular than Thursday Night Football on here. How are you? Thanks for joining us tonight. <laughs> no, always a pleasure, man. And again, I just I want shout out to Graham. I absolutely love any opportunity to see that man cave. And if you've never seen the full experience, I know there is it's been on Twitter and stuff like that as well. Graham, so it's an absolute legendary Thank place. You. Oh, it's a thing of beauty. It really is. Yeah. Thank you. I'll give, I'll give say... a chance in a second to, to give a shout out to where his socials are. So but yeah, I mean the crew, Graham, the crew will I will on behalf of the crew accept your invitation to come up when we get to do that as an our question. But um, we'll if I need to come up myself, the crew are the crew are coming. Um, we'll work so it out. Again, Graham, thanks for thanks for coming on again tonight. We had your pre-season last year. It's great to have you on. We've really enjoyed watching the Texans this season. It must be amazing from yourself to, to watch your team doing what they're doing this season, probably ahead of where you even expected. So let folks know where they can catch yourself because everybody get on board with, with Graham and his Texans this season. Check out his, his man cave and his video getting Super Bowl tickets on his, his Twitter. It's phenomenal. So, Graham, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Um, so, you can follow me personally on Twitter at the underscore one underscore Hendo or at Texans UK on, on X, should I say. Um, and also, you can follow me on Instagram at kilted underscore Texan. Um, just it's mostly Texans. I I don't really do much else. To be fair, 
Um, so yeah, if you want to check some stuff out, um, I'll try and upload some more modern pictures and videos of, of, of the, the bullpen up um, just for people to see. Doing a bit of a stock count the other day because um, I, I, I was just recently back, so I brought more stuff back. Uh, so I've got to find spaces for it because as you can see behind Matt, the jerseys are now going on the ceiling. Nice. Um, so I'm, I think I'm up to 63 signed player items in here now. So, um, yeah, it's but I call it a fan cave because everyone's welcome. Um, and we'll have a bit of fun in here because, like, my, my cousin he's a Titans fan, and my best mate he's a Colts fan. So it's Rami Central in here, yeah. and we all get together. So, the two, we'll, we'll look at our sleeping bags and we'll be up, we'll be up for a sleepover on a Sunday night to watch the games. <laughs> yeah, we can do that, we can work something out, honestly. We'll have a laugh. Yeah, we definitely will, and that's something definitely, Graham, uh, 100%. We, as a crew, I don't know I can speak for the guys, they can speak for themselves, but definitely something we'll, we'll look into doing because uh, it's something different and it's something we'd all enjoy doing. So, again, thanks. Yeah, I'd, I'd love you to do a show from here um, if, if that's what you want to do. Guys, we up for it? No, brilliant. Absolutely. Amazing. Let, let, let's get that booked in at some point, Graham. Thanks for the invitation. We'll definitely get to take you up on that. So, uh, everybody, thanks for uh, listening tonight. Thanks for watching. It's been a it's been a longer show. We've actually went over Keith's review crew on Monday night, but or Tuesday oh, night, I know. But anyway. I was on that one day. <laughs> uh, you're always you're always chatting in the door studs. <laughs> the, me- the, the messages to get the wee buddies in here. <laughs> yeah, but I think guys, it's it's been an hour and f- nearly fifty minutes, but it's been an hour and fifty minutes of great conversation, great chat. We've covered a lot tonight, and uh, and Graeme, your input from. A Texas point of view, and just in general, has been much appreciated tonight. Um, so, so far, thank you for that. Thanks for everybody that's listening. Thanks for everybody that's watching. The review crew will be back to cover the games that we've just spoke about tonight. Um, we're not sure Monday or Tuesday next week. Keep an eye on the socials. We'll, we'll put that out. Um, again, thanks for watching. Uh, catch us on all the socials: Twitter, X, Twitch, everything. Anybody can find a social media account. You'll find the, the Gridiron Crew. So, um, catch us all later. Thanks very much. Bye.